Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast, guys. I hope you had a great week. You should know who this is. You should know what time it is. It's time to learn how to get financially free. And we've got our co-host, Mike Marino, back on the show with us this week. Mike, how you doing? Hey, Tyler. It's Mike, the guy with the not-so-deep voice. <laughs> well, you know, I can actually adjust that in post and make you oh, sound like do. you're a gargling glass like I do, <laughs> but I wouldn't do that to you. I'm not sure you'd like the end result. It would probably <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Speaking of which, if you guys ever wondered, because I know a lot of people have, it's come up a lot. I have thought, I have sounded this way since I was, here's a, here's a clincher for you, literally since I was a teenager. I woke up one day when I was 14 years old and I sounded like this. And boy, did I freak people out. Girls liked it. Guys didn't know, quite know what to do with it. <laughs> so Overnight? Literally, yeah. I woke up one day and it was just like this. It was nuts. <laughs> it scared me. I'm like, what the hell happened to me? It was it was nuts, but it, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> People are like, oh, you must have smoked a lot. I did smoke a lot, but I actually sounded like this before I smoked. It just got burned in perfectly when I did smoke. But yeah, it <laughs> is what it is. What are we here to talk about today, Mike? Yeah, let's talk about the balance of patience and profits. It's especially applicable, I think, today, right after well, what was election day last week? Yeah, a week. For, it was a week ago. Was it? I can't. I've I've been bad. I've I have not been watching the news. I have been woefully just bliss in silence i don't know you live in key west you're in a bubble right it's like wow we don't really whatever goes on in the mainland doesn't really apply to us down here wow you sound like a hawaiian i, I like it that way you freaking howlies you get out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh i miss hawaii i enjoyed being on the island that far away from civilization and you're right i feel key west is a way is in a way is like that for me oh yeah that's fun last couple of weeks have been a little uh it wore us out a little bit. We had, geez, we had fantasy fest going on and we had the meeting of the minds. And we just recently this week had the powerboat races. I was thinking of you, Mike, during the powerboat races, because so, you know, that approach coming into Key West, right? That you are the, the airline pilots take, you know, it well, you've flown here a thousand times. Well, imagine that with the race boats going on below you and 300 helicopters, I'm exaggerating, but a lot of helicopters flying all over the place. What did they must've turned the planes to land the other from the other direction? during all that craziness, right? Usually they put a ceiling in the helicopters. Like they can't go above like 200 feet or whatnot. Oh my God. That's probably why they're so low. These guys were flying like sideways. It was crazy. And they were like, they were like camel jockeys. It was nuts. I, I was thinking of you. I'm, I'm like, so oh, I could just see Mike rolling in here with the Airbus. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The, the rotor guys have so much more fun. And see, seeing those little mosquitoes fly around beneath you, it's like, just get off my wings. Get off my wings. <laughs> 200 souls on board. Get off my wings. Anyway, speaking of the elections, a lot of folks we've talked to lately, Mike, this came up in the airport with you the other day. We were just having this conversation, which spawned this episode, waiting to invest until blank. And I guess the temperature of the week is the wait until the election's over with. You want to comment on that? Yeah. You know, it's a week after the elections. Unfortunately, the election's still not over. Uh, just walking around airports, everybody's like hairs on fire. Everybody's stressed out about which party is in. Oh, that's not my party or that is my party. Right. And oh, it's going to be hell on earth next year. But in the end, that's what they say every two years. <laughs> and then they say it louder every four years. And here's the thing, guys. What changes? What, so the day after the election, and you just nailed it. The election's not over yet. I didn't even know that. What changed? 
what materially changed in that election. Whether I don't care if the everybody that was in office got fired and new people came in. Doesn't matter whether it's all red, all blue, pink, purple, green. Doesn't really matter. How did that affect Tyler Sheff? Well, it didn't because I live in the Concrete Republic. Nothing. And in, and in fact, it doesn't affect anybody who was complaining about it. So you mean these elections have no impact over you and your ability to invest, Mike? Not directly. And if they do... We're smart enough to adapt to it. Well, real estate, I, I like real estate because we do have a bit more control than some other assets. But when it comes to government stocks, public stocks, zero control. Exactly. Because here's the thing we do. I think what we can agree on is that we don't really have much control over anything. And when something goes haywire in the news cycle, whether it doesn't matter what it applies to, Elon Musk sends a mean tweet or something like that. It doesn't, you're not going to shut down the real estate industry in a minute. Now, I believe that we as humans have virtually no control control over anything. You know, you drive down the street, you get run over by a freight train. It, it just, things happen. Yes, we have control in our, over some control over our assets and real estate, but when in other types of investments, for example, if you look at my, my crypto portfolio right now, I wouldn't even call it a portfolio. <laughs> it's not even a billfold. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's kind of like one of those little envelopes. If you're a Catholic and you go to church and you make the donation in the little box, the little envelope they give you back in the old days, that's about what it would fit in if it was physical. Silver and gold, not very impressive right now. But I think that when you make emotionally charged, fast decisions, no matter what you invest in, then you're asking for trouble because here's what I do know. So far, they haven't turned the lights out. As far as I know, Bitcoin's still a thing. All the cryptocurrencies are still a thing. They're not out of business. They didn't go away. Yes, crypto exchanges are going under and there's different things going on. Same thing with the stock market. Coca-Cola, last time I checked, still sells Coca-Cola. Their stock may be great or terrible. Apple stock may be up, maybe down, whatever. But the bottom line is, you know, how do you lose money investing? It's by making irrational sell decisions most often. Or the other side of that is waiting for things to change. What do I mean by that? On Facebook, I see that in these real estate posts, I'm on the sidelines waiting for the market to correct. So Mike, what, what, at what point do, does, what signal do, would you tell you that the market's crashed, that it's happening right now? Is there any one metric you would look at? Because I haven't found one yet. What is a, give me a metric that you would say, you know, the market's crashing and I have to make a decision right now because of this metric. Is there any such metric that comes to mind right now? And I know you're on the spot with this one, but I'm curious. I was always taught that when, when the front page of the New York Times or any newspaper says we're at the bottom, it's too late. The bottom already passed. And you think about it that way, the economists, the editors, the media, everybody, when they call the bottom, they're always too late, whether it be a day because the newspaper comes out every 24 hours. They wrote it 24 hours ago or a, a few weeks. But the metrics to say it's the bottom, I think, it, and that's the other thing, the bottom nationally is different than the bottom locally, right? That's correct. I would agree. I can't honestly answer it because I can't rely on Zillow estimates to say this was the top. Unfortunately, it's not like the stock market where it changes every second. And actually, people are buying and selling every millisecond on the stock market. So those values are actually legit. Well, I had one buyer. Did you sell your house in St. Pete at the top, bottom, or middle of the market? Can you even honestly answer that question? In my opinion... It doesn't really matter whether it's the top or bottom of the market because the risk is... So if you had waited to sell right now, everybody in St. Pete is talking about everything's going quiet. I have a listing now in St. Pete. Everything's gone quiet. What does that mean? I could drop the price or I could increase my marketing budget. What do you think I did? Increase my marketing budget for my client. Um, because why drop yep. the price? The bottom line is that there are people sitting on the sidelines more than there was last week, more than there was the week before. But the one thing that, exi that still exists is demand. What's more important is you are at the time and place to where you had vacated the property. You weren't living there anymore. And at that, that point, you need to sell it 
at a certain within a certain time frame to avoid capital gains tax, which you did successfully. That's true, yeah. And I don't believe you left a nickel of profit on the table. <laughs> I did. I think you built it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't really believe you sold it at the top, bottom, or middle. It doesn't matter. You sold it at the right time because all the cards lined up. It was the best time for taxation, you avoided a 20% capital gains hit. That's it. That money goes directly into your pocket. Could you have sold it technically for more money later? Maybe. Then you would have may have been susceptible to the capital gain situation because of the duration, how long you, it was since you moved out of it. So guys, when you're making decisions like this, you have to think through the whole thing, right? Because to the purpose of this episode, what is the balance between patience and profit? Mike could be more patient and wait out the market to go higher, but at what cost? Does he? If he does that, he risks getting involved in taxation that he didn't have before. Is that fair? That's right. That's right. Taxes is a big, is a big difference. It You're is. right. So if I didn't have the capital gains advantage, even though I could have sold it at a higher price, I would have had to pay what uh, forty thousand dollars. Exactly forty thousand dollars in tax. Uh, what do you get for your forty grand, Mike? <laughs> a receipt. That's what you get. A receipt. It goes to it goes to uh, some other foreign country and it has aid or whatever. Bottom line, guys, is YouTubers are getting rich off of the potential for a recession, market crash. Financial services and financial uh, talking heads have exploded on YouTube. If you go on my YouTube channel or on my YouTube page right now when I just log in on my television, that's all I see. People like meet Kevin every 50 seconds. Reventure Consulting, doom and gloom, doom and gloom, doom and gloom. Hey, invest in my fund. That's what we're seeing. And there's a lot of that going on. And YouTube is making it extremely popular, pop, profitable to push the narrative. Know this, and we're going to tell you a story here in a second. Sensationalism, highly profitable. I don't even think it's so much that they're doing it to get under people's skin. I don't think that really matters to big corporations. Big corporations do what they do because it's profitable. Know that. Let's tell the story that you just told me and blew my mind before we push record on the the, uh, Uber situation. I think it did. Yeah. So on the topic of sensationalism versus is profitable. So right now, green energy is sensationalized, especially with, you know, whoever's winning the elections, no matter which side you're on, there's money in green energy. And or I should say the image of green energy too, right? So obviously I'm at airports a lot, a lot, a lot. And last week I landed in Vegas, which is my base, and I went to the Uber lot to pick up my Uber. And every third Uber car was a Tesla Model 3. I'm like, what is going on? So I get in the car thinking I won the jackpot, right? Oh, I got a comfy ride. I talk to <laughs> and the they're driver. giving him away. He speaks broken English. And I said, oh, did you just buy this Tesla? And he said, uh, no. I now right. rent it through Uber, $400 a week, and I can rent this car through Uber. He rents it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I missed that. When you told me the story originally, I missed the rent part. I thought they were holding the paper or something. They're actually, they don't even get to own the car. Oh, no. No, they don't get to own the car. They have to spend $400 a week for the privilege to drive a Tesla for Uber. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So when I heard this story, the first thing I did is I went to my calculator. That's my default. I learned how to use a 10B2 calculator about 20 years ago. And if you guys haven't learned how to use it, go over to the Cashflow Guys YouTube channel. You go to YouTube, you type in Cashflow Guys, and you type in 10B, that's 10BII, 10B2 Financial Calculator. 
I use this to perform financial calculations. That's how I make my decisions based on math numbers. So in this case, I wanted to see how much it would cost Uncle Tyler to go down to Uber or to uh, Tesla and get myself one of these Model 3s. So Mike, you had said it was like $48,000 or something, right? For Model 3. Oh yeah, if you were to buy it cash on your own, yeah. So 48, and I had sitting here on my desk from Keys Federal Credit Union, I got one of their little circulars. You're pre-approved. Keys Auto Loans, 1.49%, 72 months. It's like, wow, I can go buy a car, finance it over 72 months, right? And only pay 1.49%. But but Tyler, that can't be true because interest rates are at an all-time high. Didn't you hear what Jerome Powell did? Well, Jerome Powell doesn't have any direct influence over the auto industry or credit unions, by the way. He also doesn't have direct impact over mortgages. Those are set separately. The common belief is that when they say the Fed refunds rate went up, that means your interest rate goes up. That's not how it works. So in this case, I ran the number 72 months, 1.49% interest on 48 grand. That's assuming I finance 100% of it, which I think they'll actually let me finance more than 100%, which is even more terrifying. I think it's like you can go up to uh, 125, it says right here, 125% of MSRP. So I can absolutely go in the hole on purpose on day one. It says you can finance up to 120. Why would I want to finance 125% of my car? That's terrifying. That works out to a car payment per month if I own the car of $697.32. Whoa. How much, Mike, to rent it a week? 400 a week. So that's 1600 a month to rent it. And you have to rent it, obviously, through Uber. Through Uber. You'll probably say, well, they, they cover the maintenance. Okay. How much maintenance does this Tesla need? Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I, I didn't. I thought they were pretty dependable cars. I, yeah, I believe so, too. I mean, especially in the short term that you might be renting it, you're not going to have any maintenance expense. So now you're paying Uber on two ends. You're paying Uber to rent the vehicle because hey, now you feel flashy. Now you feel good. You have zero credit, but you're driving the Tesla Model 3 and you're paying Uber the interest rating for. And while you're driving Uber and making money, now you have to give a cut to Uber for, for all the work you just did. So they're making money on both. Well, the one thing I just had a thought, if I'm driving my company's provided car, that makes me an employee, which means I go from a 1099 person to a W-2. Is that may actually be the case. And if that's true, that's even dumber. So not only do I have to pay double for a, a, a Tesla and not own it, to borrow it, to not even control it. I don't I don't to keep it for any length of time. Maybe they're disposable cars. I don't know. I may incur a tax liability, an additional tax liability because I'm going to change how I earn my income. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So what's the What's the bottom line, guys and girls at home? What's the difference here between going down to Tesla and buying a car and doing it the Uber way? If all things are created equal and you're going to drive, you're going to drive for Uber. The difference is, is that you don't have the financial ability or discipline, what you choose, to save up the $48,000 to buy the Tesla. So you need to have someone else, or maybe you have credit issues or whatnot. You can't qualify for a loan to go buy it. You can do the Dave Ramsey thing and you save the money and then you go pay cash for it. And I know you probably, a lot of you are, are chuckling and spitting up your milkshake through your nose. But reality, it's a great way to do things because I know people, I have a friend right now that has a, a big old fancy four by four Chevy or GMC truck. You know what his car payment is, Mike? $1,600 a month. $1,600 a month. He's paying almost six figure, over six figures for a pickup truck. And it's not even that fancy. Wow. So guys, this is the thing. They don't have the person that's the people that are doing this don't have the patience. So they make irresponsible financial decisions. Yes. Don't think that Uber or Tesla or any bank is here to help you. They're setting you up for failure. You've got to have the financial discipline to just say no, because this is what's killing America. 
You guys ever wonder why economists are almost always wrong in predicting the future? It's like weather people. It's the same thing. It's a prediction. By by definition, it's not supposed to be correct. It's just supposed to be some sort of an educated guess. And if you think that the government, I don't care what side you're on, doesn't matter, has any idea how to solve the inflation issue that they themselves created, I got news for you. If you don't get yourself into a position in today's world in 2022 to outpace inflation, which by the way is over 8% right now, then you are going to be hurting very, very badly coming forward. I believe that. You see, you get in this hand-to-mouth type of situation. That's where the patience and profit comes in. I have people that have bought rental property. And it's like, I bought a house. I'm not rich yet. It only cash flows 200 a month. Only. You can be sick for a month and that house still cash flows without you. It doesn't need you. It's just going to send you money. It's almost like buying the government. You think about that. Now, guys, some people are saying, can you save money? I'm just going to save and I'm going to save money by waiting till the market crashes. I don't know about you, Mike, but how many times, if I think about the amount of times I said, boy, I wish I would have bought that when. Yeah, that's very popular right now. You know, think about Bitcoin. I looked at my Bitcoin purchases on on the Coinbase app the other day, started back in 2015, I think it was. Oh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I think I put like a hundred bucks in it back then. And I wrote it way up and I sold it and, and did whatever. But had I kept that or been smarter with the, with the up, with the wins, I would have been a lot better off with my crypto right now. Same thing goes with real estate. I can't tell you how many deals I have passed on over the years because they weren't as good as my, my great ones. I set an unrealistic benchmark. And instead of going off of volume, I was holding out for home run deals. That shocked me when you told me that the first time. Yeah. yeah. And I have walked away from the opportunity to earn millions of dollars. I started at the same time some huge syndicators started. Rod Khalif is one of them. Michael Blank. We all started at the same time. We all started our, our podcast at the same time. We all started investing at the same time. They have considerably larger portfolios than I do. That's because I had passed on opportunity because I was focused on waiting for a, a collapse, a correction. And I already, the ones I did do paid me very well. So I was already reaping great profits. And I, if I would have thought that through the rest of the way and been doing deals consistently all along, my portfolio would be massive. I mean, I'm pretty proud of what I have right now. Don't get me wrong, but I would have had a much bigger portfolio and significantly higher passive income had I taken and pulled the trigger and I got back in the game full-time and not until 2014. So from 2014 to 2022, look at what's, what's happened. In the end, you know, you can, there's everybody can be a rock star in an up market. I mean, I've invested through recessions. I know what it's like. I owned rental property during uh, the last downturn, but I didn't get rid of anything at the time. I didn't need to. And the reason for that is hell mortgage was fixed rate. Tenants kept paying the bill. So why I didn't need to do anything. I decide on it. I didn't lose any money in the, in the last yeah. housing downturn because I didn't make decisions to sell when the market was down. There was no reason to. And frankly, even if the market was down, I don't care what the market says. I sell when I can sell for a profit. I'm not interested in selling at a discount. I don't believe in dumping portfolios to recapitalize, at least not in the real estate game. I can maybe see a little bit of logic in the stock game if I think the business is completely going under. But if the business isn't going under, that I'm going to put that money, leave that money there and let it grow. And if you looked at my TD Ameritrade account right now, you would notice that I haven't needed to log into it lately because all I got to do is look at the Dow and know there's nothing for me to be worried about in, in TD Ameritrade. I know for a fact I'm losing money. So, or I'm, I'm, I would lose money if I sold. So I'm just sitting on stuff. It doesn't make sense for me to sell. Bottom line, guys, you know, you can't save money by waiting to buy an investment property. I remember you telling me Lemon Street was both. A blessing and a curse. And a curse, obviously, because you had a grand slam deal 
That's correct. And now everything else just looked like it wasn't nearly as appetizing. Now you look back at last year in 2021, everyone was hitting grand slams. Exactly. And now people are looking at singles, doubles. That's true. And there's, you know, I think I'll wait on the bench. Yes. Same thing's happening when you think about it. Last example I want to leave people with, Mike, I think is a relevant one. And it's the one that we're doing right now. We, Mike and I just bought a property through in our investors. We got, we opened an investment fund. If you want more information about that, you can go to cashflowguys.com and uh, get on a calendar. We'll have a talk with you about it. Our new website will be launching here very soon. But the plan there is, is we got a bunch of people together and we pooled our resources. Mike and I put our money in the game. They put their money in the game and we're out buying cash flowing assets. Now, in some cases, we, we want to keep the money moving, right? So it's making money. We bought a property. In a big property that needs a ton of work. And we didn't, we haven't completed our exit strategy just yet or, or coming to that conclusion because we're doing due diligence on that. We could flip it. I could flip it on day two for a windfall profit. But instead, if we play the, the longer game and we maximize its highest and best use, and that is why we haven't started down that path 100% yet. We're not 100% because we're still in the fact-finding phase. We're working with the city to tweak the zoning and whatnot to get it to run it the way we're going to do it. And we're going to be unveiling that plan here very soon. But we feel that we're going to make significantly higher returns if we're patient and we just work, build this asset up and grow this thing into a cash flow machine. That's the goal here. Again, we could have flipped it on, on day one and I don't know, pocket a hundred grand, whatever it may be. But what does that get you? Well, number one, it gets you capital gains, right? Capital gains tax. But there's no cash flow out of that. Now you have to take that money and then go find something else with it. People have said, how come you haven't sold anything in so many years? I just keep hanging on to my properties. Well, because they pay me dearly to hang on to them. Why would I... Why would I fire my little employees that just give me money every month? It doesn't make sense. So we are looking at strategies that allow us to take this asset and produce and turn it into an instrument of cash flow. It's just spills money out and it doesn't have to put out massive piles of money. It doesn't have to put out a hundred thousand dollars a month, but if it's putting out a make sense, realistic return that exceeds what we project to our investors, then that's great. Then let's go on and do another one and another one. And that's how the ball bounces. Any comments on that, Mike, before we wrap up? Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about the balance of patience and profits. Like, so for the Uber example, if you were patient, you would have profited more. In the real estate examples, if you are too patient, you might not profit at all. So it's there's no patience or profit. There's no right or wrong answer. You just have to look at, you have to look very deep into it. Some it's more valuable to be patient. Sometimes it's more valuable to be profit now. Absolutely. And guys, you may come across opportunities that you're thinking, you know, I could flip this. I could do whatever. Maybe you're just not up to speed on getting through the exit strategy to know what that looks like. How can we make more money? Get on the phone with us. Mike and I are here to help you. You can talk to us individually or you can talk to us together. That happens by going to cashflowguys.com, hit the book button and get on our, get on my calendar, get on Mike's calendar, have a conversation with us. Let's throw the deal out there on the table that you got that you're trying to figure out and let us weigh in. I mean, we have a lot of experience doing this. We don't mind helping you guys. I'm not going to give advice on how to get ARV to a wholesaler. That's that's You can do that on Facebook. But if you want to talk through some of your, your deals, we have a, a, a deal review sheet. You do need to fill it out. The, you need to have all the information. And the reason why that is you're not going to talk to us about a deal until that sheet is completely filled out. Every block needs to be filled out. The reason for that is if you don't have these answers and bring forth an empty sheet, you don't have enough information of which to make a decision. And so think about that. Maybe go reach out to me, send us an email, or send me an email, Tyler at Cashflow Guys, and ask for one of those uh, those uh, deal review forms. So you should be knowing what things you should be looking for when you're trying to figure out if you have a deal or not. 
If you don't have enough information, guys, you simply can't make a decision. I hope you found value in this episode. I hope you take some action. I hope you reach out to us. Get on the call, get on the phone with us and have a consultation. Uh, we're here to help you. And as always, appreciate you guys coming out, and we'll catch up with you next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.